Yes, good people, it's Francis here from Let's Do Humans podcast. This is just a quick announcement, just to encourage everybody here that's listening to our podcast right now, just to ensure that you subscribe and you follow us on all of the various platforms out there that produce podcasts, that's subscribing to us on YouTube, following us on iTunes and Spotify. I mean, follow us, make sure that you share our content and continue your support, that'll be greatly appreciated. That's Let's Do Humans, L-E-T-S-D-O-H-U-M-A-N-S, Let's Do Humans, one word. Appreciate all of your support. Stay blessed, good people. First of all, and welcome to Let's Do Humans podcast. Um, it's basically a um, an informative and educational podcast for my young audience where I kind of introduce them to new ideas, new concepts. We talk, we have a bit of business networking as well, also involved. And I've been wanting to have you on for a while because you're someone that I've kind of been following for a decent bit of while now because you're, you're kind of like my online big brother. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I have a bit of a confession to make as well. Like um, I kind of use you as a scapegoat on Twitter. So sometimes there's things that I can't really articulate. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard this before and people have mentioned but um sometimes there's ideas that I have in my head there's things that i agree with but i can't necessarily articulate but I always know zuby has a perfect tweet for it oh, so yeah. if i don't want to take the heat <laughs> i just go to your page and i retweet something that's funny right, that's cool man that's cool yeah that's my bit of a confession now now everyone on my twitter is going to be like yeah that's where he gets it from now so you might get the hate after this now but oh, that's, dude, that's, nice. that's my confession for the day but um wow. apart from that can you just tell us a bit about zuby and who you are because i'm sure a lot of people are listening to your accent probably thinking you're american but as i know you're, you're british but you just got a bit of a hybrid accent don't you yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll talk the accent first. So um, yeah. I am British by nationality. Nice. I was born in the UK, but uh, when I was one year old, I actually moved to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So grew up in Saudi Arabia when I was there from what would you you'd call kindergarten up until fifth grade. So from like five years old up until I was 11, I was actually in the American schooling system. So yeah. I went to an international school in Saudi Arabia where I grew up. There were People from all over the world, but most of my teachers were American. Lots of my friends were American and Canadian, and then from other Arab countries and UK and all over the world, really. Mm. Um, where I grew up, it was really, really diverse in that sense. And then um, in terms of what I do, um, I'm a professional rapper. I've released five albums and three EPs totally mm. independently. Amazing. I um, am the host of my podcast, Real Talk with Zuby, which is now approaching approaching 90 episodes i started that at the beginning of last year i'm the author of um one book so far but there will be more in the future my book i've released so far is a fitness book called strong advice zuby's guide to fitness for everybody i also do some public speaking i do some life coaching fitness coaching a big range of stuff so it all started out with um in terms of my independent career it all started out with just me being a rapper being yeah. a musician and then over time, I've added some extra strings to the bow and become more of an all-around creative entrepreneur and public figure in some sense. A lot of people are interested in things I have to say, and so I found myself getting involved in the sort of cultural conversation more yeah. than I necessarily ever expected to. But it's not something that you definitely can't handle, though, because you've kind of been not on top of it. Um, how, how does one transition from rapping to politics? Man... Well, the way that happened was, um, you know, I, I, it's funny. I'm not a super political person. I'm yeah. actually a lot. I'm actually less political than I think most people would think. Okay. So I'm interested in ideas. I'm very interested in human psychology. I'm interested in culture, morality, 
um, you know, where, where are things going in the world? Why are things the way they are? I've got some interest in, in history. I'm a very inquisitive guy. I like to understand why people do the things that they do, why they think the way that they think, mm-hmm. why the world is the way that it is. You know, that, that's why, I mean, when I was in school, I didn't find history particularly interesting. But oddly, as I've gotten older, I've, I, I now found history really fascinating because if you want to understand why we are where we are and why things, you know, if I, if I go back to Nigeria, which is where my family's originally from, why do people in Nigeria speak English? right? That's because of history. Yeah. Why Why are the lines on the map drawn the way they are? Why are the countries split up the way they are? Why is this country even got that name? Why is it ruled by these people? All of this stuff is explained by history. And um, so I'm, I'm just someone who's very intellectually curious and always have been. I used to keep a lot of that um, offline. <laughs> so for the first sort of 10 years, I mean, I've been on Twitter for, I think you, maybe you found me through Twitter. I've been on Twitter yeah. since 2009. And I never tweeted anything really sort of political or cultural commentary or anything like that until about 2018. Mm-hmm. And uh, what actually happened there is I, I tweeted a couple things and I had a couple of tweets go semi-viral that were sort of in the socio-political arena. Yeah. So off of the back of those, I started gaining a lot of more, uh, you know, I started getting more politically charged followers and a lot of people saying, you know what, like, I like the way, sort of, sort of a bit like the way you introduced this thing, you know, yeah. people like, I like the way this guy, I like the way you think, I like the way you articulated that, or I just like the fact that you're willing to say what you really think, and you're willing to be authentic, and to not just toe the line, and to say the sort of things that you know, or yeah, you know, say all the things that you know are going to be safe, and no one is going to yeah, and, you know, and having kind of like a one-set political ideological mindset, and I think yes. that's one of the issues that I'm having at the moment. So similar to yourself, curiosity is what brought me to even podcasting in the first place. So I was someone who didn't really do well academically, and it's only as I got older I became more interested in how the world functions and how people think, and hence why I'm podcasting now. That's where I'm sort of kind of gaining that information from, from discussing it with people and learning from those who are in the know. So um, going back to what you were talking about just shortly now in regards to how you came into the political sphere, so I've, I've gotten into trouble twice um, by retweeting you <laughs> so oh yeah okay yeah i got in trouble twice <laughs> on, once was twice. by a feminist friend but i'm gonna cover that later on but <laughs> i was gonna say please tell me at least one is a feminist one yeah, was definitely a feminist okay. one and she got onto me she called me was like i can't believe it. i'm gonna cover that later <laughs> on anyway but um, <laughs> okay okay i look forward a to couple that of times because i mean I, i'm, I'm kind of highly dyslexic so i struggle to express myself like um w- when it comes to um, putting things down on paper and writing stuff down but verbally i'm, I'm getting better was as i'm having more conversations and I'm, as i'm reading more and taking more interest in things in general but um, the first time i got in trouble was when i retweeted your i think it was the weightlifting that you done the deadlift oh, okay. yeah, when you yeah. broke the the women's deadlift <laughs> by um by identifying as a female <laughs> Yeah, as a, as a stunning young um, black female. Um, so I retweeted that, and one of my friends called me. And was like, "Oh, bro, you're taking the piss. You're being an absolute bigot. Like, what do you mean? That's not a, that's not a woman." And I was like, "Well, he's identifying as a woman, and due to the current political climate that we're in, he's he's allowed to identify as whatever he is he wants to. And you have to just accept it because he's identifying as a woman. That doesn't mean he doesn't feel like a woman, or he's not a woman. Yeah. And um, he clearly knew I was taking the piss, and that kind of got me. I, I have with. A, I have a question. Is this friend someone who? What sort of side of this debate so, are they so on? So they studied political science. Okay. So they're in that they're in that woke sphere of of society where okay. the, where that conversation is being had. So why do, why did they not accept that I me being a woman is valid? That that was the strange part because no, I think the reason why because they assumed that you were taking a piss. Mm-hmm. 
And I said, no, but what if he's not taking the piss? I clearly knew what was going on here. I knew, mm-hmm. I knew the statement that you were attempting to make, but I was also making an argument to just try and get them to think about their own ideas. Yeah, exactly. Instead, That's why I did it. Yeah. yeah, which is exactly what you did. <laughs> like, why is he pretend there's people out there that genuinely feel like that? And I was like, well, what if he does feel like that? You yeah. don't know what Mrs. Zube is going through or Ms. Zube is going through. So mm-hmm. what, what, what is your case here? But can you... Um, can you revert back to that moment in time? What was going through your mind? What was the kind of like backlash? Because I know the backlash that I got from it. Oh god! I was just the innocent retweeter trying oh, to prove yeah. a point here. Don't worry, I, I got, I got a, literally, probably, quite literally, a million times more. Um, <laughs> eight, over eight million. What do I mean? Eight million. Dozens of millions of people saw that. Oh wow! So, um, okay. So for several years, I have been sort of seeing this bizarre gender ideology. Let's call it seeping into the, you know, seeping in through the cracks and into actual institutions, whether that's colleges and universities or workplaces or whatever. And certainly you see it online. And weirdly, we've suddenly, in the modern Western world, people have suddenly decided that we've forgotten what a man is and what a woman is. And there's all these bizarre ideas coming around this. And it's very much like an emperor has no clothes situation where I believe that 99% 99% of people absolutely do know what a man and a woman are, which is why your friend knows that your friend knows I'm a man. Yeah. Right? You know? yeah. <laughs> by, by, by their own logic, you know, but this is the thing, right? But by, by their, their own ideology, yeah. these are people who, you know, if someone asks me what a woman is, I'll say a woman is an adult human female. Okay. Mm-hmm. A man is an adult human male, period. Yeah. Okay. Um, sure. People can, dress differently they can take hormones they can do all the sorts of things but you can't fundamentally you you're, you're not changing your chromosomes mm-hmm. you're not ever going to be able to in you know i will never be able to menstruate nor be pregnant okay well, like, I, I can't. That they can menstruate now <laughs> yeah, there's it's, it's impossible right yeah. if, if people want to be scientific then this is we know this is not reality yeah. but we're living in this time period where there's this gender ideology there's this very overt level of political correctness where you're not actually supposed to tell the truth, right? This is why a lot of people are drawn to me because I actually tell the truth. It's like telling the truth now, I mean, maybe it's always been like this in history. It has been to a degree, right? The people who tell the truth get persecuted and people don't want to hear what the truth is, despite the fact everyone deep down, everyone knows. I struggle to believe that anyone who is you know, remotely intelligent does not genuinely understand that it is a bad idea to have someone who is biologically male competing in high level against biological females in yeah. school. Whether this is boxing, football, basketball, swimming, rugby, athletics, MMA, terrible idea. Yeah. And, we've, and we've known this forever, right? Why, why are the sports sex segregated to begin yeah. with? Right? It's because men are stronger, faster, uh, quicker reaction speeds, bigger lungs, bigger bodies, taller, we're, we're just different. Yeah. We're different beasts. Okay. Everyone's an individual. Everyone's different. But if you take the strongest, fastest, highest jumping, whatever, uh, quickest running people in the world, mm. they're all male. Yeah. It's right? extreme. It's always males when it comes yeah, to school. It, of yeah. course. Yes. It's, it's yeah. all male. Right. If you take the thousand fastest people in the world, all of them are men. Mm-hmm. Okay. The thousand quickest people, the thousand strongest people, all men. Okay. And we know this. We've known this forever. Um, but we reached this weird stage in society where this is happening. And so over the years, I, I've sort of seen stories happening, whether there was the um, Fallon Fox situation in MMA, yeah. certain things popping up in athletics, 
in rugby, in basketball, all of these things, all these stories sort of coming out. And out of curiosity, one day, so the day I tweeted that, I think I'd seen multiple stories like this just over the last week. Mm. And I mean, I've, I've been speaking with my friends and my family about <laughs> this thing being silly for a long time, right? Yeah. Just, well, what's going on here, you know? And um, so I was just out of curiosity, you know, I'm someone who's been going to the gym for a long time. I've been training for 16 years or so. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a strong guy. I know I can, I can lift a lot of weight. I'm not, I'm not a professional weightlifter, yeah. but I know I'm a strong guy. So out of curiosity, I just thought, oh, I wonder what the women's, British women's records are in, in powerlifting because yeah. just out of curiosity. So I just Google searched them. And I looked at the deadlift and I was like, oh, wow, I can annihilate that. <laughs> <laughs> like my you didn't even warm up though, did you? <laughs> my maximum deadlift is, I mean, that video is, that video, the way I lifted in that video yeah. was 45 kilograms less than my best lift. Oh, wow. Right? But it was still 15 kilograms better than the record, the, than the record right? Yeah. So, and, and that video was already on my phone. People think that I am... Um, some people think I specifically shot that video for that tweet. I didn't. Mm. The video was already on my phone. In fact, the video was already online. It was just part of Oh, before you came up with that idea. Yeah, it was just a yeah. training session I'd had on there. So I saw all these things. I saw the right. And then I just, I literally just tweeted it like I tweet everything else, right? Mm. I thought, okay, within my audience, it'll probably get some laughs. People will think it's funny, whatever. I, I, you know, I, I, tw I tend to tweet things that I think are funny. And I figure <laughs> if I think something's funny, then yeah. some subsect of the population will also think it's funny. So um, I just tweeted it, you know, oh, in you know, in 2019, I keep hearing about how biological men have no strength advantage over women. So watch me destroy the British women's deadlift record without trying. P.S. I identified as a woman while lifting the weight. Don't be a bigot. Right. <laughs> so I, I, I'm basically using people's own logic. Right. I'm yeah. just saying, OK, you keep telling me a woman is anyone who identifies as a woman. So I identify as a woman. Yeah. So I'm now the British women's deadlift record holder because I just I just broke the record. And yeah. If you're going to live up to your own rules, right, some so-and-so who subscribes to this ideology, yeah. then you must accept that I set this record as a woman. Because you're not even saying, pe these people aren't even just saying you can just, you know, be whatever gender you want. They're also saying, I'm sure you've heard the term gender fluid. Yeah. So you don't, you so you don't even. Change in between the genders, yeah. So you don't even need to be consistent, mm. right? So I could say, oh, on, on Tuesdays, <laughs> right? Yeah. On Tuesdays, I'm a woman. Right. And everyone yeah. is supposed to entertain that yeah. and take it seriously. And they're a bigot now, or I am, I can call them names or maybe even, uh, get them arrested for hate speech if they don't yeah. go by whatever I've told them I am, which is fundamentally a ludicrous concept, right? We don't do this in, we don't do this in any other regard in life, right? If someone wants to live their life a certain way, you know, go ahead. You, everyone has the freedom, yeah. but you don't have the freedom to mandate and dictate how what other people must perceive yeah. in the world right just like i cannot i cannot and do not force my religious beliefs or my political beliefs mm. or whatever on other people if i want to believe that the sky is purple i am welcome to believe that the sky is purple if i want to yeah. believe that your cap that you're wearing right now is green i have a right to believe your cap is green mm. but you can't but impose I, that on me yeah. no but i can't i can't impose that on you yeah. or impose everyone else in society who can see that you're wearing a red cap Mm -hmm. to believe that you are wearing a green cap it's like okay yeah. if i want to believe that fair but that's and that's that's the problem and obviously with the sports situation i mean the way i the way i highlighted it of course was um in a, in a tongue-in-cheek in a satirical way which is why it went viral but it's also why it was quite effective because in this particular scenario i mean 
it it seems silly on a surface level, but it is a genuine it is a genuine concern, right? Yeah. It is a, it is a genuine problem because if you're opening, if you're allowing this, is a very big Pandora's box to be opening in society, and we've already seen in a handful of cases what some of the repercussions of this are. Yeah. There have now been situations in the UK and in the USA where a man has been sent to prison, yeah, or violently sexually assaulting a female, yeah, right. And then when they're in prison, they identify as a woman, get transferred to the female prison, yeah. and proceed to rape and sexually assault the women in the female. Right? It's like what? Ex- exactly. Yeah. How how can anyone like honestly? I don't care what what side someone is on politically or what. Mm. How can anyone who is just reasonable think that that is a good idea? And so and and it's very similar in the sport, right? Because it's just it's just unfair. Just like it would be unfair for me to do um, a weightlifting competition or to play rugby against a group of eight-year-old boys, it would also be unfair for me to enter a competition that is designated for females, females and, yeah. and, and stroll in there and, you know, start beating their things. And it has, if you're looking at the professional level, it has financial repercussions. Hmm. If you're looking at um, women's athletic scholarships, all that kind of stuff, yeah. let it's alone... definitely a disadvantage you know, of women athletes as well as a whole, which yeah, is it's, it's, really it's, the sad part. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just not fair. And, it, and it's bizarre because, I mean, you were talking earlier, I mean, I'm not known for being um, a huge fan of modern feminism. Mm. And it's bizarre because the people who tend to push this ideology also claim... Right. They also like to claim in virtue signal that mm. they are feminists and that they stand for women's rights and that they want uh, fairness and equality for women and all this. And I'm like, all oh, right. So but what you're also promoting here is one of the most unfair. Clearly, yeah. know, I don't need yeah. to be a feminist to say, come on, man, this is not this is not yeah. fair. Right. It's not. But how do we, how do we as a society get to the point where like the ultimate truth is almost kind of being dismissed or denied? Mm. That, that, that to me, I find it quite strange, considering that we're supposed to be a really intelligent species, quote, unquote. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that, that part's debatable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how did we get here? I think it's a combination of things. I yeah. think a lot of the ideas and the ideologies stem from academia. Mm. So a lot of this stuff, has a lot of it came in the 60s and the 70s, but it was very limited to aspects of uh, sociology or, you know, social science parts of universe these, these these were just fringe ideas mm-hmm. okay the, the this idea gender ideology was a fringe idea just like you know lots of these things started started out as fringe ideas i don't know how they gained so much steam and momentum in the 2000s and the 2010s mm-hmm. but it seems like they've just they went from the fringe to the mainstream yeah and then there are a lot of factors here another factor is that it's very possible for and, and to be honest these are still fringe ideas most people do not support yeah. most of the stuff, right? You seem to have the louder voice, though, at the moment. Yes, and it's very possible. I mean, you, you can see this anywhere. It's very possible for a minority to actually dominate a majority. Yeah. Right? If you you don't need a huge percentage of people to be radical and to sort of shout down everybody else for their will to actually end up sort of being imposed. Mm. And I think that's a factor. I do think a big factor of it as well, though, is there There are lots of things here. I think part of it is liberalism gone wrong. Yeah. So people can be liberal and, you know, a, a society, a country like the UK or the USA is relatively liberal, both compared to history and the whole global setting. But liberalism still needs still needs boundaries. 
And we all need to still be able to accept reality. Okay, so we, we, can all, we can all have opinions, right? Opinions are neither here nor there. Any opinion can be questioned, challenged. But if we can't even agree on reality, then that's a problem. And I think another factor of it is simple cowardice, to be honest, right? A lot of people, I get messages every day from people telling me how brave I am. Most definitely. And yeah. yeah, and I'll be honest, I'm not trying to be humble here. I don't, I don't really consider myself brave, right? I think if people are considering me brave or someone who's just saying things on Twitter or on a podcast, if that's now bravery, I'm like, man, the bar for bravery has, has dropped. Because when I think of bravery, I'm looking at, um, I think soldiers are brave. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to fly out on a plane to some some desert and have people shooting bullets at me and be running around and having my mm-hmm. friends being shot next to me and being blown to bits. You know, could I do it if I really believed in what I was fighting for? Sure. Do I want to? No. Am I going to go willingly and with all the other options I have in life? I'm not joining the military. Forget that. Yeah. Right. I don't want to be a fireman. I don't want to yeah. run into burning buildings and say, you know, if like I said, if push comes to to shove and I I need to put my life on the line, then there are several situations I'm happy to do it. But people who do that stuff willingly and gladly, I'm like, no, those, I'm like, that's brave, right? That's courage. You know, people... I think the bravery element comes from um, is, is it comes from probably the, the the power of the minority and the voice of the minority. And r- right now, there's a there's a there's a high risk that you're taking when you speak out. I mean, there's the possibility of losing your livelihood, losing your job, or or potentially um, losing everything that you've built for. So, mm. t- taking that stance and just speaking out or just being truthful and honest, it seems as brave just because of that. Because, mm. for instance, I I may have a job, and I know if I speak out something which is possibly the ultimate truth but the voice of the minority might come against me which then will potentially lead to me losing my job or whatever mm-hmm. is the case uh that's that's where the bravery element comes from and that's why people like me hide behind your tweets because <laughs> <laughs> we're then able to then deflect the blame onto others but yeah. I, I i get it i think that more people need to take a stance and more need to more people need to be braver as such to mm-hmm. speak of how they feel and also what they feel is right yeah and that's exactly what needs to happen because the minority can only tyrannize the majority if the majority exhibit cowardice. Yeah. Okay. If I say, if I'm in a room of a hundred people and I say something that 90 of them agree with, mm-hmm. but didn't want to voice. Right. And then 10, the 10, 10 people get offended and 10 people, um, I don't know, want to get me canceled or ostracized or boycott me or whatever. Mm-hmm. Those other 90 need to stand up for me. Yeah, right? Those, those other 90, they, those 90 need to stick up for me. If they just stay silent, then they are they are being complicit and i mean that that's why i started speaking out on certain things more i mean i don't speak mm-hmm. on everything but if i think something's important then mm-hmm. um i feel actually in my gut like my heart i feel like i have to say something because i don't want to be complicit in it we were, again we were talking about history you don't need to go far in history to find situations where a minority seriously not just uh you know tyrannized a large percentage of people and not everybody was on board with that. In fact, most many people were probably against it. But it's very possible for people to be s- complicit in their silence. Most definitely. Okay? Yeah. And we, we've seen this play out many, many times. You know, th- this situation, we're not, talking a, we're not talking about a life or death situation, which is, in fact, why it should be easier for people to be more courageous or bold. Mm-hmm. Because, look, the worst that's going to happen to me is what? You know, I get some angry DMs or <laughs> some, some, someone Someone blocking me- you. Yeah. Someone blocks me. Someone sends yeah. me some mean tweets. I look at my at mentions and a couple people are angry. You know, even if it's not a couple, even if it's thousands of people, yeah. 
it's like whatever. I, I can put, I can turn my phone off. I can put my phone down. I'm not having people. You know, if it's someone coming and kicking down my door with a gun yeah. and uh, you know taking me off to the gulag or concentration camp or something, then it's like okay, that's a that is high stakes, right? The yeah, people who are willing to speak different. up in those situations, yeah. that's what I call cowardice. But it's like, sorry, that's what I call uh, courage. But it's like, man, it somewhat disappoints me in society that so many people all feel the same way, but are unwilling to say something. Um, and I and I know part of the reason I speak out as well is because I know that by me doing so, it actually emboldens other people. Most definitely. Yeah. You know? I'm, I'm and, definitely a testament to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and um, so what I was going to say is um, even sometimes when you're not speaking out, when you're just kind of just being um, normal or just having a basic conversation, you can be picked out as someone who's going against the grain. Because I know recently you got blocked off for of Twitter mm -hmm. and um, it's, it's in relation to the video that I saw you shooting recently on your social media, which is OK. Dude. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you're kind of used to being called a bigot on all angles now, aren't you? Could you just explain to my audience what that whole situation was about? Oh, gosh, that situation was bizarre. So that was um, really strange. I find that so strange because I. I was following the thing in, in sort of like real time. I saw the whole thing happening. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? It's, it's yeah. just such a strange scenario. Yeah. When I tell people about it, they're like, you must be missing some part of the story. Like, you must have done something else. And I'm like, I promise yeah. you. I did, I did. Most definitely. Because I, yeah. I was telling some of my friends about it. I was like, no, he must have said something. I was like, no, I, I kind of know you. I know how he behaves. I know I know yeah. how he conducts himself. He's knowing someone's DM cussing and swearing oh. them down and calling them all sorts. Or else he would have been out there in the public eye already. But yeah. No. No. Um, so I had tweeted. Um, so it actually started because I had a viral tweet about um, five things that single women could do to make mm -hmm. themselves more attractive for men. And um, yeah, this thing went viral. Uh, that, that in itself was quite funny uh, that, that people found that controversial because it yeah. was very it was a very basic and tame list. Um, and it was true. But um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, someone responded to it saying something along the lines of uh, this is uh, this is terrible advice. I bet I sleep with more women than you do. Mm. And um, I didn't even look at who I was responding to. I just saw the mm -hmm. thing. I just quote tweet it. And I just said, okay, dude, dot, dot, dot. As in, yeah, whatever. Mm. Right. Um, and this is like a weird, you know, someone in general, like whoever it is, whatever, mm. you know, trying to. Was it, was it like a troll, like one of those trolling pages or something? No, no, it was, it was, I, I saw it was someone who had a blue check. Oh, right? okay. I saw it was someone who was like verified, yeah. which is, which is why, actually why I responded. Cause if yeah. someone's verified, I'll normally give them a response. So yeah. I just wrote, okay, dude. And, um, yeah, things went on. There was no back and forth or anything. That was it. Mm. And then one week later, mm. one week later, um, I was coming back from London, coming back to, I live in Southampton. I was coming back to Southampton and I got an email from Twitter saying, your Twitter account at Zuby Music has been blocked for violating our hateful conduct policy. Yeah. And then in, underneath it, it said something about how you cannot threaten or harass people based on their gender, their uh, race, sexuality, religion, yeah. disability, etc. Like all, all that spiel. And I'm there thinking like, wait, what? I have, who, what's going on here? Who did you racially insult? I conduct myself pretty, pretty well. Like, I, you know, mm -hmm. I don't even uh, I don't even use bad language. Mm -hmm. And um, I scrolled down and it said this. We found this tweet in particular. This specific tweet was the one that violated our hateful conduct policy. Mm -hmm. And it just said, OK, dude. 
<laughs> right? It just said, okay, dude, it was in a box. And, and so I'm there like, wait, what? Like, and this is a week after. So how dare I, you I, call him dude? How do you know he's a, how do you know he's a dude? <laughs> so so I, I'm, I'm here confused because I, I was like, wait, what? Like, I don't even, I, I had to even remember the conversation. I was like, yeah. you know, because I, I don't know how many times I tweeted since this. Mm. And then I went there. And then so I go on my app and I can't, I'm blocked out of the account on my phone. Mm. Um, I can't, I can't access my account. And they gave me two options. They say either you can, you can delete the, uh, you can delete the offensive tweet, mm. or and your account will be reinstated in forty-eight hours. Or if you think we've made a mistake, you can make an appeal. And so I didn't want to delete the tweet because I was like, wait, I haven't, I haven't done anything wrong here. I don't want to, mm. right? If if someone arrests you for uh, a, a crime, you know you're you're, you're innocent of, yeah. then you don't want to go and you know they could say, oh look, if you just confess to this crime then uh, we'll let you out. It's like, no, I'm not confessing. I haven't, I haven't done anything. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I appealed it. And then the next day I get another email from Twitter saying we've reviewed this and we can confirm we've manually reviewed this and we've confirmed that this tweet in fact does violate our hateful conduct policy. On what basis? Uh, they, they're not specific. They just wow. said, again, you know, you may not threaten or harass people, you know, no violence, no, whatever and so by then my only option if i wanted to get my account back was to delete the tweet so obviously i'm like okay this is stupid this is ridiculous you know i deleted the tweet and then there was there's a sort of countdown that goes on until you Mm -hmm. get let back into your account but in the meantime i saw that uh hashtag okay dude was trending on twitter (laughs) i saw hashtag free zuby was trending my followers one of those skyrocket- me as well. <laughs> yeah yeah that, it, it, was, it was so i was actually even though i was locked out right i was still able to sort of see some of the chaos yeah. that was going on um and then a bunch of media channels actually sort of covered it i had a in fact uh, joe rogan dm'd me on instagram and was just yeah. like dude like what what the heck is what is going on um i just saw this this situation what's happening and um yeah eventually you know i got let back into my account and then i'm an entrepreneur so i ended yeah. Okay. As soon as you, you started talking about the Twitter <laughs> army, they're, they're, they're on to me again. This, they're, this, they're on to you. It's yeah. definitely the five G. <laughs> this, this is how people become paranoid. I know. Tell me about it. Yeah, you're just telling me about the your, your case that happened to you and how you're an entrepreneur, so that didn't really bother you too tough. Yeah. So I actually made uh, some OK Dude T-shirts and I sold yeah. two hundred of them. Oh, amazing. Days. And um, yeah. So ended up making a good amount of money off of it. I think yeah. I gained 10,000 followers oh, wow. at the time of my suspension. Um, and uh, my next music single is actually called OK Dude. OK Dude. Uh, <laughs> and we're looking forward to that. So, There's no yeah. such thing as bad promotion then, I guess. Well, in, if you, in the right hands. Yeah. So, you know, you can always spin a negative into a positive. Yeah. It's strange how one person's opinion or viewpoint of something enables them to then tackle you and have your whole Twitter getting taken down. Um, I mean, I don't have a big platform like yourself, so I've never been in a situation where someone's gone against me and I've never really said anything radical as such for someone to come against me. But I did have one weird scenario where um, I released a video with a gentleman who supposedly, apparently about six years ago, he had a few views in regards to the trans community. Um, nothing that I had a clue about. I wasn't really much on Twitter six years ago so i released a video then i received a massive a really lengthy message on instagram from someone within the trans community um 
I, I don't really know the, the pronouns for them, so I'm not really going to try and attempt it to get myself into trouble. But um, he sent me a lengthy email saying he feels threatened by me having someone like that on my podcast. Even though the discussion had nothing to do with the trans community whatsoever, we are just talking about the person's growth from, become, from being a bigot to now seeing the world in a more like fairer way and being more open-minded to people's ideas and so forth. So my reply was, look, it's my, it's my platform. I uh -huh. choose who I want to have on there. I'm here to learn from people. I'm here to understand people. I'm here to communicate with people from all sorts of backgrounds, irregardless of their past. Uh -huh. So that's my thing. And they were completely upset with that. They said that person should be punished forever. So yeah. it's like, is there any point of redemption when you do step out, supposedly step out of line and, and, and cause hurt to such communities? Because this individual said they were enjoying my podcast. They were enjoying watching my growth. But as I've had someone like that on my on my platform, yeah. now, they refuse to ever listen to me again. And yeah, well, that, that, look, that's, that's their problem. Yeah, you don't want, definitely. you don't, you don't want people like that in your audience. Like mm. I'm, I'm just going to be, be real. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy losing followers as much as I enjoy gaining them. Mm. Right. Like <laughs> it, it's, it's, and that might sound weird to people, but it's like, look, by losing followers, I'm honing my audience. Yeah. If I say something and, and again, look, one thing that makes it easy for me to do what I do and to just speak freely and openly is because I know who I am and I know what I believe and I know what's in my heart. And I know for a fact that I don't hate anybody. I don't hate any, any individual, yeah. let alone any group. I absolutely believe in fairness and equality of human beings. I believe we're, I'll go further. I believe every human being is created in the image of God. I think it's mm. sinful to treat people unfairly or to be violent towards other yeah. people or to threaten. Right. I, I'm, I'm directly opposed mm. to all of that stuff, but I'm not going to be held hostage or to be held ransom yeah. to anybody. And that includes someone who is in my own audience. I'm not going to, I'm not going to not be me or not be honest about my views or my opinions or what is actually factually true because one person out of, you know, on Twitter, I have 222,000 followers. Yeah. There is nothing I can say that won't affect, that won't, that won't um, yeah. potentially, <laughs> that won't potentially person, yeah. offend somebody, right? Yeah. There's nothing interesting I can say that someone out there, you know, I could say something funny about, um, oh, you know, I, like even something that's, that's not even mm. controversial. And then there will be someone who, because mm. of their very specific life situation, finds that a little bit insensitive or yeah. offended or, or what. And it's like, look, that's just how it is. That's not my issue. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't go out of my way to offend people. I genuinely do not go out of my way to offend people. Right. But if I say something and someone, I mean, look, offense is taken, not given. Most definitely. Yeah. Right. Offen yes. Offense is taken. Right. If someone makes a joke and I want, I don't know, let's say something that, um, I could take personally if I wanted to, if someone just makes a silly joke about, black people or someone makes a silly joke about Nigeria or mm. someone makes a silly joke about the UK or someone makes a silly joke about hip hop and rappers or someone makes a joke about people with beards or mm. someone makes a joke about people who believe in God or people who are Christians or whatever, as people do all the time, by the way, yeah, then, you know, I can Im imagine, <laughs> Im imagine Ricky Gervais makes a, makes a joke about, makes mm. a joke about, about, uh, religion and, I go in his DMs and I'm there talking about, I used to like your comedy, but you said something about Jesus 
and yeah. now I'm never listening to you. What? Who? The guy's got millions of, of fans, yeah. right? Every single, every single joke he says could be potentially offensive to someone. But one, it's his opinion. And two, beyond that, it, it's, a, it's a joke, yeah. right? It's, it's, it's a joke. Like my deadlift tweet was, it was a joke, right? Mm. We're living in this weird time where people think that being offended means that they're right. <laughs> yeah right yeah and they and they think that actually it makes them virtuous right they think that being very thin-skinned and being very easily offended is some kind of virtue whereas in fact it's a weakness mm-hmm. right it's it's a weakness if you're offended by everything then you're you're weak right if yeah. you're in a you're a full-grown adult yeah. and you can't take so you can't take someone who believes differently than you or you can't take someone making a joke about something that okay might personally be a little bit close to you or whatever it's like look there's one thing about being there's there's a difference between there's one thing which is being cruel you know if someone is being genuinely cruel or being genuinely you know violent or threatening or racist or sexist or mm. you know homophobic like, like in the true sense right mm. if someone is there like talking about how they want to go and harm this person or kill this people or these people aren't human or what that's a whole different that's a whole game, different yeah. ballgame. Right? That's a but whole both are kind of meshed together in the, in the current political discourse where they feel like yeah. the, the, the act of inciting violence and busting a joke about someone is pretty much the same thing, which is not. No, it's not. Yeah. And, that, and that's very dangerous thinking, too, for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. And part of why it's dangerous thinking is because you are, you know, people who do that, they are, what's the best way to put it? They are, they're diluting what words mean. Yeah. Okay, so you see this a lot. Let's let's use a like a concrete example. Okay, take the word racist. Mm-hmm. Okay, the word racist has a very has a specific meaning, and it's very damning to call someone or something racist. Right? It's it's quite the accusation. Mm-hmm. Right? If you say that somebody is a racist, it that's a strong accusation, or at least mm-hmm. it used to be. Okay, and it should be because we generally, as a society, understand. Look, it's bad to it's bad to mistreat people or to be unfair or discriminatory people based on something that's totally immutable, right? Yeah. Just the way, the way they look, right? That, that's wrong. We understand that generally that that is wrong. So if you're making that accusation against someone, it's, it's serious. And we should reserve that term for when it is actually necessary. Yeah. Take another term people throw around so much now, not Nazi, okay? Yeah. Look, look at history. Look at who the Nazis really were. Yeah. Look at what they did, yeah. okay? Look at what Nazism entails. This, this is a serious... If you say somebody is a Nazi, mm-hmm. that is a serious accusation. But what has happened is these terms are being diluted. So by people who maybe in their own weird brain, they think that they're doing well, and they think that it's cool to be calling everybody they disagree with racist, Nazi, fascist, mm-hmm. sexist, homophobe, transphobe, whatever. They think, they think that they're on the side of good by doing that. But what they're actually doing is they're making it impossible for normal people to draw any any distinction between yeah, these you terms. Can't differentiate. So, yeah. No, no, you can't differentiate. So if someone calls someone a Nazi, then I'm like, okay, do you mean? I now need to think. Okay, do, do you mean this person is actually someone who subscribes to Nazi ideology? Someone who actually agrees with what Hitler was trying to do, right? Because that still exists, but it's very rare. Yeah. It's very rare, right? There are neo-Nazis. And in terms of the actual violence that they commit in this, yes. I knew. It's yes, it's very rare. And it's very rare to find someone who, who genuinely thinks, you know, you know what, Hitler was right. Okay, mm. there's a few of them, you know, in dark corners of the internet. You know, they're still, they still exist. But it's rare. 
but then you have someone who will say, um, oh, Trump is Trump is a Nazi or uh, Boris Johnson is a Nazi. Not just them, but anybody who anybody who voted for them is also a Nazi. Even Jordan Peterson, and, apparently, is a Nazi. George, ev- everybody, yeah. right? I've, yeah. I've been called a Nazi. Right? Oh, my road, followers, yeah. yes. My, I, yeah. Look at me. Like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> if, if that hasn't jumped the shark, then, yeah. you know, and, and this is... Um, this is the problem because we you know one it's a very damning accusation mm-hmm. but then two in the over the long period of time mm-hmm. it just totally i call it label inflation right just like you have inflation in money i call it label inflation so you are reducing mm-hmm. the value and the power of this term because it'll just reach a stage where it's like you know i mean it's it's already kind of there it's already kind of there someone calls someone a nazi and they're like okay yeah whatever okay dude yeah. you know what i mean yeah. it's like it's not even something people feel they need to defend themselves Against someone called me a fascist yesterday. Oh wow! On Twitter, someone called me. Huh? For what though? Um, I Donald Trump tweeted something about how it's amazing how he became the U.S. president despite Mm. the fact that uh, the media was so against him. And I wrote, uh, and I I quote tweeted, and I wrote, "That's true though." Yeah. Right. And then someone said um, that I'm turning from a libertarian into a fascist. You said you're a libertarian in the first place. Oh, I don't know. Right? <laughs> yeah. This person doesn't even follow me, so I'm not sure oh, how they even know. Right. But a fascist, like, yeah. do, pe- do people even know? This is the thing. Yeah. People say these words. Like, do you even know what fascism is? How can someone who thinks that the government should be smaller and have less control over your life yeah, it's a fascist, be, yeah. be a fascist, right? Yeah. It's, it's literally the, the opposite. But people just throw these labels. They just want to stick these labels to you. Yeah. And it just becomes ridiculous. And, um, you know, this happens in a lot of things. I mean, when you get these trans rights activists, they, they want to call everybody who doesn't subscribe to their ideology transphobic, right? Because then they think that can just end the conversation. It just ends yeah. the argument. You're a bad person, so we don't need to listen to what you have to say. Right. You see um, some of these, you know, sort of radical third wave, you know, it's lots of these uh, modern day feminists doing this. Right. Anyone who disagrees with anything in, as mm. part of their ideology is because you hate women and you're a misogynist and you want to yeah. put women in chains and you want to stick them back. Bodies, in the- yeah. Yes, exactly. And it's yeah. just it's this ridiculous, you know, going from zero to zero to 100. Like there's mm. nothing there's nothing in the middle. Either you're here or you're here. And people do this in politics. People do this with all this stuff. It would, and it's ridiculous. I mean, it would be okay. Let's give an example. It would be like me saying, "Say I come across someone who is of any other religion than my own, or someone who is of no religion at all, right?" And I'm just going around calling every atheist or every non-Christian Christian phobic, mm. or suggesting that they hate me because yeah. I'm a Christian and they want to kill me and they're threatening me and they're, they're, they're trying to erase me, right? People use these, these ridiculous terms, right? Yeah. Very hyperbolic. You're trying to erase my existence. You're trying, it's like, no, I just don't believe in what you believe, mm. right? We just disagree. And, we, right? and, we, and we're entitled to do so as <laughs> yes, well. Yes, you're entitled to do so. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. entitled to have their own beliefs. Yeah. Yes, and this doesn't mean any kind of, any kind of bigotry, any kind of hatred, mm. any, like, I'm, I'm, I, like, I like everybody who's decent. Yeah. And the funniest thing with all of this stuff is with, with my following, both through my music and everything else, is there is no demographic mm. that I do not have followers in. So I have more trans fans and followers mm. than <laughs> than these people who are trying to call me these yeah. things. Right? I'm followed by more women, more people of every demographic than all these people who are trying to call me these. And it's like, well, and and they can all clearly see some of them have been following me for years. Mm. And so 
it's very clear. No, I don't have anything against yeah. this group of people or whatever, right? It's just like, okay, I think this on this. I think this. Some people agree. Some people don't agree. You know what? Ultimately, we can be friends. We can, we can be friends cool with each other. We can be kind and cordial. Yeah. And that's generally how adults work. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I find it hard to like subscribe to any ideology simply because I don't know who writes the main manifesto for the ideology in the first place. It's like there's so many variances of each ideology. And um, one of the issues I'm finding most recently as well as, as I've been reading more is I realize that the more ideological you are, the more you desensitize to the other. Yes. And that, that becomes a bit of an issue. It's almost as if, like, it's women against men, it's, it's black against white. And if black does something against white, then in the black sector, it's fine. If white does something against black, then in the white sector, it's right. And to me, that is the dangerous territory mm -hmm. that we're kind of entering now. And um, I always tend to find that social media is basically the magnifier of what's happening culturally. It is. So there was recently a case, I think in the UK, um, I forgot, it was like a year or two years ago, and um, a police officer raided the house of a, I, I don't know if it was a drug dealer or whatever, some sort of black criminal, and, and the police officers died. Um, mm. And I, I, what, what I tend to do is Whenever something like that happens I go to Twitter first I put in the hashtags And then I try and see What people are saying Because to me That's a magnification Of how people see others And, and how culture is shifting mm -hmm. And in, in, in almost the, the, the black sector um, A lot of people were not kind of praising what the individual done but they kind of sympathize with the criminal yeah and then if you go to the if, to the white sector it's, it's the opposite mm -hmm. and that to me is the, that to me is the birth child of ideologies it kind of like separates us instead of uniting us and that's why i don't really subscribe to them in general as an individual i tend to always find myself in the middle i want to hear everyone's mm -hmm. side and then try to figure out my own what works well and stick to my values that's what enables yeah. me to communicate and deal with people in a better way absolutely man and, and that's correct you know what you're referring to is just very base just very animalistic levels of tribalism. Mm. That's all it is. It can be along racial lines, gender lines, like, you know, it, it could be across anything. You don't even need to go within, I mean, you can have one country. I mean, look at flipping some certain African countries. Look mm. at the, look at Rwanda, right? Yeah. The, Hutu, the Hutu and the Tutsis. They flip in, you, the Hutu genocided the Tutsi. Mm -hmm. These are people who, to an outsider, you probably can't even tell the difference, the difference between yeah. these two ethnic groups of people. They're from the same country. They're the same race. They're the same. And human beings have just a natural element of tribalism in them. And this isn't always bad. It's the same thing that uh, makes sports exciting and makes sports fun, right? It's what makes people want to cheer at the Olympics and the World Cup and whatever, because you're rooting for your country, you're rooting for your team, whatever it is. And that's fine on that level, but there's a very, very dark side to tribalism, which yeah. again, we've seen all throughout history. We've seen it all, we see it all across the world where it can be a you know, religious, racial, um, ethnic, whatever, anything people can divide themselves by. Mm -hmm. It just, um, I don't know, it's, it's something that's just hardwired into humans. And yeah. I think the best solution to it is to just make the tent as big as possible. Mm -hmm. because yeah sure we are we can all be put into these little arbitrary boxes but what do we have in common right where yeah. people are always so focused on the difference that's why i get tired of you know people who love to play identity politics right mm -hmm. it's why I, I get tired of people who are you know you know people who call themselves pro-black or people who call themselves pro-white or pro-woman because look there's nothing inherently wrong with being pro-black there's a problem with being pro-black meaning anti-everybody else or anti-white, right? There's nothing technically wrong with being pro-woman or being pro-man. But if by being pro-woman, it means you have to throw men under the bus, 
then that's a problem. If by me being pro-man, it means I have to throw a woman under the bus, then that's that's a problem because ultimately we're all we're all human beings, right? I just go, maybe I'll make a t-shirt like this. I'm, I'm just pro-human, Yeah. right? It's yeah. why you're, you're never going to see me put hashtag Black Lives Matter. You're never going to yeah. see me put um, a rainbow flag in my bio. Mm. You're never going to see me say, yeah, I support this or I support, because look, I'm just, I'm on everyone's team already. Mm. Right? I, I worked this out a long time ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm on everyone's team already, yeah, right? I have definitely. my, I have my own beliefs. Yeah. I have my own values. I have my own, you know, way that I navigate the world and things I believe are correct or true or untrue or whatever. But ultimately I'm like, look, are you a good person? There are only two tribes that matter. Decent mm. people, and indecent people. Indecent. And that that's it, right? There's no group of anything yeah. that beyond that, it's just it's it's details. Yeah. It's details, right? Like what's what's in your heart? Most I could definitely. see I could see someone who physically resembles me. Yeah. Okay. They're around my age. They're also uh, you know, similar complexion. They might we might even, you know, we you know, whatever. But we may have nothing in common. <laughs> yeah. and then, right? We may have nothing. We might not even like each other. And yeah. you, you see this all the time, right? Yeah. We don't even like each other, right? This is all the time. Like, look at, uh, you know, look at even, you know, largely due to proximity, but most violence and most crime is actually committed against people who are from the same racial, ethnic, yeah. national background or whatever, right? You know, people talk about black on black crime as white on white crime, whatever, Asian on Asian. And, yeah, so it's clearly not the fact that okay, if you put people who look like each other together, that everything's going to be fine. Yeah. No, like that's going to be fine and hunky dory. But um, yeah, and you know, I think ultimately, I do think the vast majority of people know this, right? I think it, it took a while to get there. <laughs> it, took, it took a very long time to get there. Yeah. But I think you know, most people, at least in the Western world, most people have worked out. Oh, you know what? Like, it's kind of stupid to judge somebody based on their skin color, skin color. or their sexuality or their gender or whatever because all you need to do to even if someone is genuinely an intolerant bigot all it takes is one person mm -hmm. to to buck that trend right if you're someone who believes that all x people are whatever it only takes one person to defy that yeah. for you to have to rethink your entire worldview right okay. if, you, if you've been going around thinking okay all of these people are like that and then you meet someone who's like who is in this demographic and they're they're kind to you and they're good and you find that's what we realize the importance of value yeah and um, I, I've, I've definitely experienced that throughout my whole lifetime because um I, I mean i was born in ghana um mm -hmm. i lived in sweden for a while before moving to london so i've been through all oh, i went i went from being in africa living in kumasi where everyone was black moving to sweden where i was the only black kid in primary <laughs> school and then moving to east london where there was like 10 percent black kids 80 percent asian and then another 10 percent white kids <laughs> like yeah. So I've I've really been through it when it comes to like demographics, and I think it's played a part in my in my level of tolerance and understanding for others because I've been through all of the various cultures. My best friend's from Pakistan; he's a Muslim, whereas I grew up in a Christian household with two ordained priest parents. So, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> so yeah. as you can tell, the demographic is crazy. But I think that's what helped shape me in terms of my understanding of the world and realizing that it's really and truly all about values. And yes. one, once you get rid of the 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 skin color or the the, the supposed barriers that are in place, mm. it is what you said it is, and um. So going by that, I recently put a, so I, I'm in a boys group chat, what's up group? And sometimes like I come up with like ideas and I'm like, let me just stir something up and just see how people think. So just to test this value thing and to test this thing about the, the thesis in regards to like um, how all of these cultural like discourses are causing issues or whatever. I put in the group, oh lads, I think um, racism is an illusion. 
<laughs> like I said, I said, guys, I, I've, I've been thinking about it, and I think it's, it's an illusion that's kind of like controlling us. Like, what do you guys think? And everyone just went absolutely nuts about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, you, you, you got to do it. I was kind of, I was kind of, I was kind of playing up to it because I, I wanted to row up um, ideas. I wanted people to really think about it and really like, and really understand the difference between like human tribalism and how we are kind of like um, built as human beings. We're, we're naturally tribalistic. Take racism away from it. Uh -huh. If you go into Ghana, for instance, they'll judge you by your tribe and where you live. And it's like racism isn't the only thing that we judge each other by. There's so no. many things, but it's better to look at the values of an individual and let alone just focusing 24 seven on a race. And the reason why I brought that up is that a lot of the conversations within the group always tends to be about race. Okay. Whenever any issues arrive, anyone has any problems, it was always because of their race. Maybe because that's what's at the forefront. And I'm really trying to get my head around, and I wanted to get your opinion on it, is that why is that such a big thing on the forefront now? Is like, is social media playing a part in um, enhancing our tribalistic side? And why is race such a big thing now? It is. You know, it's a big thing because some people want it to be. Mm. And, and that might sound weird, but... And, and I, I mean this on this. This can come from different angles, but a lot of pe there are people out there who think that race is super important. Mm. Okay, and there's both a left wing version of this and there's a right wing version of this, right? I think everyone's familiar with the 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 uh, the, the right wing version of this in terms yeah. of you know people being nationalism, like, yeah, ethno nationalism, mm -hmm. and you know like actual race based hate groups or identity groups and stuff like that. But the the more common version of it now is actually recently is this sort of left wing version of identity politics, which mm. is you're supposed to view, you know, you're always supposed to be looking at race, right? Someone sees an advert on the TV and that they're counting how many white people there are and how many black people and how many Asian people. I've got people that There's calculate the ratio and then they'll go as far <laughs> as to calculate the ratio as to how many in regards to the population of the country. Yeah. Which is, whether it's racist or not. Yeah. And, and do you know what's funny is people only do that in the west yeah. right you, you don't go to you're not going to go to ghana and <laughs> no. see, you're not going to be watching the tv or looking at the adverts or the films and deciding that you know they're being racist against non-black people or non-ghanaian people or whatever because mm. they're not evenly represented or even disproportionately mm. represented i mean look in the uk okay we we both live in the uk mm -hmm. i believe the uk is somewhere between 80 and 90% white. Yeah. Okay. We're in the UK. It's, it, it's in England. Okay. Right. It's a, it's a white majority country. So why would you like, if you're watching an advert and only one third of the people are white, this is, this, this might get me in trouble, right? Then actually whites are actually being severely underrepresented. Okay. According to the actual statistics, right? If you've got three people on TV, if it's going to go by what the population actually looks like, all three of them should be white. Yeah. Right. No, no one, no one says this. No one talks about this, yeah. but it's like, look, I don't even care about this. I'm just using, again, I like to use people's own logic and way of thinking mm. to expose why stuff doesn't make sense. Okay. So if you've got someone who's watching, there's four people on TV and they want, they're complaining because there aren't enough black or brown faces on there. And I'm like, look, what country are you in? Okay. What are the actual numbers? So even if you did have proportionate representation, it wouldn't look like what in what you in your brain sort of mm. think it would look like. Maybe if people live in London or Birmingham or something like that, 
then they get a distorted view of what the UK actually looks like because <laughs> a lot of people who live in London don't really travel much outside of it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, firstly, I mean, I, 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 to come to a higher level, I, I don't even care. I, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I believe in meritocracy. Mm-hmm. I think the best person for the job should get the job, right? I don't care about their, their race, their skin color, their sexuality, their this, that. Like, can you do the job? Are you good at the job? Mm-hmm. If, I, if I break my arm and I go to the doctor, I don't care. If, I don't care what race the doctor is. I don't care if they're a man or a woman. You just want your arm fixed, yeah. <laughs> no, like I want my arm fixed, right? Yeah. If I'm on a plane, right, I don't care about how diverse the people in the cockpit are. I want the people who can fly the plane, get me there safely. And I look at it like this with everything, mm-hmm. okay? And, and again, people do this when it suits them, okay? The NBA is over 75% black, Yeah. okay? Black men make up 7% of the American population. So 7% of the population is making up 75% of the NBA. If someone said that the, this is evidence that the NBA is discriminatory against white people and Asian people, and you would laugh them out of the room, mm. right? You would laugh them out. You'd be like, what, what are you talking about, right? Because yeah. we know that's not the case. But then people apply the same logic to everything else. And number one question is like, look, why does it, why does it matter? Okay. Right. Why, why does it matter if you've got, I mean, if you, if, if the reason people aren't there is because of some sort of unfair law or rule or unfair discrimination or something, then sure we can address that. And that is a specific problem. But if you don't have evidence that that's the issue and by something merely being a disparity, that doesn't suggest that there's some kind of um, unfair discrimination going on. you know, maybe it means maybe if it's super disbalanced, then it might be worth looking into, mm. but it's not evidence in itself. Yeah. And a lot of people just don't get this because they're wrapped up in this ideology. And, you know, I think, I think the reason it comes down to, I think the reason why some people get obsessed with the race thing is simply because we are very visual creatures and it's, you can, you, you, you see it, right? I think that's what a lot of it comes down to. So you can't see what's, there's a lot of things about people that you cannot, that you cannot see. Yeah. You can't see someone's IQ off of the bat. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot you of things about people you cannot see. Or not. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But yeah. imagine if people did the same thing with uh with height. All right. Imagine if you had sort of people split like, oh, you know, how tall are the people? Do we have do we have proportionate representation of height? Mm. Do we have proportionate representation Never of the ending? Yeah. Of, yeah. It's like you could go into this forever. And funnily enough, if you do, where you end up with is you end up with you know what, everyone's an individual. Yeah. And that's actually where that's actually where we already were. Right, so it sort of comes full circle. So if you take this idea, this identity politics, this intersectionality theory, and you take it all the way to its extreme, you take it to its logical endpoint. You actually you just end up with where we everywhere where we already are. You know, everyone's an individual, so just treat everybody as an individual. Treat people fairly. Judge them on their own merits, their own flaws, their own values, etc. Because yeah. you know we're both we're both young black men. And you know that not every young black man is the same remotely. Right? Yeah, most definitely, yeah. yeah and, and it would actually be deeply offensive mm. for someone to suggest, oh, you know what, all those young black guys, they're all the same. What would you call that person? You'd be like, oh, that, that person's racist, right? That's, yeah. you're, that's crazy. You think all of us are the same just because we share this one characteristic? Like, that's the bigot. And so it's like, okay, so we already acknowledge that. So let's not make the mistake of doing this in the opposite direction when you've got people saying, all white men are this or all men are this or mm. all these people are that well it's like you're just playing the same game right yeah. want to right you you can't you don't want to 
let let's not let's not play the same game here. Like we've been through this, right? We we've been through this so many times. Let's not play the same game. If you find a specific instance of genuine uh, discriminate unfair discrimination, genuine racism, genuine sexism, genuine wh- whatever, then sure. Like m- yeah, most people mm. most people don't stand for that, and most people will be happy to address that. So let's not dilute it by turning people against each other, and not by calling everybody mean names that that they're not because yeah, as it dilutes the actual term for what it, it dilutes it, it. Be. yeah, yeah. It dilutes it. um touching on what you said about um you just mentioned white men so you, you made an interesting statement um i think in one of your I, I don't know if it was an interview or you, you wrote on twitter but it's just something i remember you saying that white privilege is garbage Mm. Can you just explain your stance on white privilege? Because <laughs> in some quarters, they believe that they're, they're, there's privilege in race, there's privilege in genders, mm-hmm. there's privilege in um, absolutely everything and anything. So why would you say that white privilege is garbage? Okay, so what you said there actually interested me. Because if someone is willing to accept that there is privilege and there's advantage and there's disadvantage in everything, mm-hmm. then I'd be willing to accept the premise, the concept of white privilege possibly existing. Because everyone has some form of privilege. Though. Yeah, as long as that person is also willing to accept that black mm. privilege exists, and Asian <laughs> yeah. privilege exists, right? And tall person privilege exists, and short person mm. privilege exists, and pretty person. Um, mm. you know, we're, mm. all, we're all individuals. We all have advantages and disadvantages, mm. right? So there, why, why would you fixate on one immutable thing? That, that's not even a big one, right? I mean... If you actually wanted to talk about specific privileges or things that are genuinely advantageous in society, I could give you a lot of them, right? I don't even believe that it's a huge advantage to be white yeah. in society. That's another thing. But even if we if we were to pick something, I can give you a lot bigger privileges than someone just being white, mm. <laughs> right? I could give you much bigger ones, right? What about being born? What about having a very high IQ? What yeah. about What about being born to into a wealthy family Mm. right what about being born in the uk Mm. right how's that is that not a privilege major of course it's a privilege right there are so many things and so when people get fixated again on this idea i just think it's a it's a very ill-conceived concept and idea i just think it's it's very one again i think it's divisive right who does this benefit how does believing in white privilege that, that doesn't help white people. That doesn't help black people. That doesn't help anybody, right? It creates resentment from people who are not white by them thinking, hmm, this person has something undeserved that yeah. maybe I should have. And then for the person who is white, they're like, hey, like, what, what do you, what, why are you calling me privileged? Like, I, mm-hmm. I, have, I have my own problems. I have my own struggles. You don't know me, right? Why are you prejudging me based on my skin color, mm-hmm. right? You're here making all these assumptions that, oh, every, you know, I mean, some people have this weird idea that like every every white person like owns a yacht and is sipping champagne. <laughs> and again, it's like, do you exist in reality? You know, yeah. like whether you're in the UK or USA or Europe or whatever, like everyone, you've got people, people struggle, man, right? Mm-hmm. Like people are struggling. Who are most of the homeless people in the UK? They're almost all white men, well, right? I mean, yeah. so, I think that's where the argument comes where people say race, race and racism is a is a is a case for power and those who had power initially um um own it now and have put structures in place which then puts others at a disadvantage and i think that's where that resentment comes from because that, that's kind of the rhetoric that that gets pushed whenever you have this sort of arguments or these sort of debates is that no the power is with them hence why we can we can put them down we can say things that they can't say because we're at disadvantage anyway so we should have an advantage in terms of what we say and how we look at them 
See, this is the this is very collectivist mentality, mm. right? I'm I'm I don't have collectivist mentality, mm-hmm. right? I believe in individuals, right? And I look at people as individuals, not as groups. I don't believe in the concept of not just do I not believe I don't believe in the concept of group guilt or collective guilt. Not only do I not believe in it, I think it's dangerous. It's extremely mm. dangerous. In fact, the worst things that have ever happened in history have largely been because of this idea of collective guilt. Yeah. Right. So. All black people are this. All Jewish people are this. Mm-hmm. All of these people are to blame for this. All that is deadly. That mm-hmm. whole that whole line of thinking, and I don't think most people realize this. Right? That is very very dangerous to to think that you know because someone is of a certain ethnicity or race or gender or whatever that they are now the beneficiary of all of this stuff or that they are the yeah. oppressor right they, they're they're now the people who are here you you mentioned like power structures right yeah. so people have this idea that you know we live in a patriarchal white supremacist um male you know male dominated uh heteronormative all all of these weird sociological terms and buzzwords dominated society mm. right and so anyone who's of any of these demographics we can attack them we can be discriminatory towards them we can be insulting we can be threatening we can be whatever because they have the power and it's like man that is like, look at history man like that is not yeah, the way you want doesn't to lead down the road no, no road that's not the way you want to look yeah. at the world i mean like look if your father or your grandfather or your great-grandfather or your great-great-great-grandfather did whether they did something brilliant or they did something terrible you cannot you cannot claim the credit for it nor can you claim the blame for it, mm. okay? If my great-great-great-great-grandfather was some, I don't know, if he was some Nigerian warlord who was, like, going around, like, killing people or whatever, am I to blame for that? You should pay reparation. Right? <laughs> am I to blame? No. Yeah. And you know what? If he was a great man who mm. did all this wonderful stuff, do I have the right to be like, oh, yeah, you know, well, he did that, so I'm all this. It's like, mm-hmm. no, you don't. So that's why... Whether you're talking about the sort of far right version or the sort of far left version of this very, you know, it, it can be ethnic based or whatever, but the, this sort of mentality of mm-hmm. collective pride and collective guilt, I think both of them are ridiculous. And I think that the reason why people are drawn to them, to be honest, is because people don't have faith and confidence in themselves and their own achievements and their own power and their own individuality. I don't feel like I need to define myself based on something collective because i can define myself based on just who i am yeah. does that mean that i i shouldn't i shouldn't be uh like comfortable in my own skin no like i'm i'm very comfortable in my own skin i'm happy to be who i am and i know my background and i, yeah. I know like my some of my family's history and all this and that's all cool yeah. right because it means I'm, I'm part of something but ultimately i'm, I'm just zuby right <laughs> i i am me and the world is going to remember me as me and whether i succeed or i fail or whatever that's that's on me. That has yeah. nothing to do with me being, you know, a black man or it has nothing to do with the white man. It has nothing to do with like whatever, right? We we live in a free world now. If you go back if you go back to a time when, you know, there's genuine, genuine, genuine oppression and, you know, huge structural barriers or whatever, then a bit of a different story. But now in the twenty twenty in the UK, you're gonna tell me that your skin color is stopping you succeeding? I don't believe you. 
right? You're going to tell me that your gender is stopping you succeeding? I, I think I that's, that's self-awareness when it comes to like success and making it in the corporate world or even finding a job is, is what people are lacking. And just being honest with yourself, whether to see whether you're qualified or even capable of doing a job which you claim you didn't get based on your race or your gender and so forth. Um, so off, off of the back of that... Um, uh, so I said there was two things that got me done <laughs> from, from your tweets. So the second one was more recent. Um, you and and this this goes in line with what we were just discussing about social constructs and male privilege and um, the patriarchy. So you recently put up a tweet. I think you actually retweeted from one of your friends who follows you. I think I followed her straight after. It was about the things that men like. Um, in women so you're talking about feminine and masculine traits mm. and said which by which ones do men prefer and most men obviously prefer the first sector which was the feminine traits um so i, I retweeted that and a um, someone on my twitter copied the, the tweet and was like <laughs> and, and and they were like yawn it's a social construct from the patriarchy blah 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 so forth and and it goes there's not really an argument here end of we don't want to hear it so the issue that i have with people like that is that um one because I, I come from a place where I used to struggle to understand things in general. So I like to have long haul conversations about things for people to explain stuff to me. And then I put my ideas forth and either they, they can rectify me or not. But the idea that someone can genuinely believe that their ultimate truth, which in, in a way is a lie in itself, that is that. And that's the full stop. That's the end of it all. So she was like, it's social construct. Men created this for their benefit. End of. There's no argument to it. So she wasn't even willing to explore the idea that, Maybe there's, there's, there's historical reasons why those behaviors are tolerated. There's biological reasons why men prefer these, these, these behaviors. It wasn't just a group of men who all across the world, um, <laughs> through evolution, developed to have these, the, the likings for these certain characteristics. Yeah. It's no, really our, strange. Our, our, our weekly patriarchy meetings. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I must have missed that <laughs> Skype meeting because yeah, I was yeah. invited. So. Oh, we do, we do them on Zoom now. Oh, you do them on Zoom now? Yeah. Oh, that's, what, that's what I'll be missing. Yeah. <laughs> so, all all 3.5 billion men. <laughs> We just gather and that, that's my issue with 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 that debate and that discourse at the moment is that we're unwilling to listen to each other we're unwilling to dig deep into things and then you have the social constructions we just believe that everything was created by men for men but i'm trying to figure out so how did men create these and at what point did we get together to create these ideas so that was the second one that got me into trouble and then there was sort of like back-end argument um from the back of that and i said look if you thoroughly believe this let's discuss it properly and the individual is just like no there is nothing to discuss oh. that's the end of it all and that's what they've been taught at university and that's what they're sticking with without exploring it yeah look man the the truth is all you can do is your best you cannot reach everybody mm. right and someone has to be someone has to be willing to listen someone has to be willing to have a discussion and to hear different points of view for anything to happen if someone's not willing to have a conversation then you, you can't force people to ha have a conversation and, and they don't have to either you know everyone, you have the right to decline a conversation you don't want to have mm. and so i've reached a stage where you know as frustrating as it can be you know if someone disagrees with me but they're they're willing to have the conversation and i have the time then i'm happy to i'm happy to talk about anything or articulate mm. any of my thoughts in more detail but if someone is just going to be closed-minded or just a complete ideologue Mm. then you know maybe yeah. one day they'll snap out of it but that's the until, frustration yeah, yeah but you, you you can't force them to you that mm. that's the reality of it sometimes you just got to be like okay well okay dude like you know believe believe what you want yeah and that's it and you know people can become fanatical about anything you know and i like i said i i have my own beliefs 
Um, but I'm open to have my beliefs questioned or challenged. I'm willing to yeah. defend them. I'm willing to explain the way I think. And you know what? I'm willing to admit that I could be wrong. Mm. Right? There's plenty of stuff that I've been wrong about in the past. <laughs> so if there's stuff I've been wrong about in the past, I'm sure there's some stuff that I think or I believe right now, which is probably wrong. And yeah. then there's some stuff that like you you just you will you will never know. Right? We we can all have different ideas. And you know, I very I'm a very firm believer. Let's take something obvious. I'm a firm believer that God exists. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. Do, do I do I know like mm. in a, in an empirical, scientific, one hundred percent way? Can I can I prove that? Do I know? No, no human can. And any anyone who says they can is not being. They're not being totally honest. It doesn't matter whether they're religious or they're irreligious. Like we don't know. This is people have been trying to answer this question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we we don't know. So that's why it's called belief. It's called faith. It's like yes, I believe this. Right, I believe this to be true. But you know, and we can have the discussion. I can explain why I believe. We can explain this. We can talk about this or whatever. But if someone is just like you know, say you took a super staunch atheist who's just one hundred percent certain you know, God does not exist. The whole thing is stupid. End of story. Okay, like that's not someone I can have a conversation with. Yeah. Right. Just like if someone is just you know fundamentalist uh, Christian or Muslim or whatever, this one, one, this is it. This is that. Bound. No, close. Mm. No. No room for discussion. No room for dissent. What? You can't. You, you can't, can't do talk, nothing about you, it. You just can't talk to someone like that. Yeah. And it's not worth it either because it's just going to stress you out. So I'm just like, look, I'm open to talk to anyone who's open mm. to talk. And yeah. um, if if someone's not, then I'll yeah, do my best, and hopefully, maybe they'll. They'll come around eventually. Yeah. But until that happens, yeah. we, we, we unfortunately cannot force it. Most definitely. Um, so I, I took upon myself to do a little investigation about you because I, I know that you don't really swear in any of your music or you don't swear at all. Nah. So I, I, I don't know why I've done this. I must have had some time on my hands right now with this lockdown. I was like, I'm going to go through <laughs> all your tracks that I can find online. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I legit did. Yeah. Okay. I, I've just, I just had it on repeat. I had a playlist on repeat. I was like, I'm going to try to find like, a, a swear <laughs> word here. I'm definitely going to find one. <laughs> And I couldn't find one, but I was nearly close. Um, so on your track um, three sixteen, th yeah. there was a line. You, you, what did you say? You said, um, "Not a drug dealer, ain't, pu ain't pulling a gun trigger, um, never told a lie to cop a deal." But wh when you said, "Not not a um, not a drug dealer, ain't pulled a gun trigger," I thought you were gonna say the N word afterwards. Oh. <laughs> so I was like, "You know, wait, did I hear this right?" I, think I must have been in my kitchen at the time when he was playing. This is the type of stuff I do when I'm in lockdown, when I'm That's bored and, and I'm researching. I appreciate you listening to all my tracks, though. That's heavy. I did I had on playlist. So I was like, wait, did he, did he just say the N-word? Did he just say nigger? So I went back and played it. And I was like, oh, nah. <laughs> I thought I nearly had you there. So I thought, okay, I'm going to find something on you before the podcast. But I was unable to. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. That, That's that, was so it, that was the closest I got to it, though. But um, in, t in terms of your musical taste, what, what do you listen to yourself? Are you listening to a lot of like UK music at the moment? Man, I, I just listen to whatever I think is, is dope. Yeah. Um, I listen to, I listen to, in terms of hip hop and rap, I listen to stuff from all over. I listen to, um, British rap. I listen to American, French, mm. German, um, occasionally like some Polish or Slovak. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to, if yeah. I think it's dope. Fr French are quite I'll dope. The, the flows, yeah, French yeah. and Dutch, they've got a way with, yeah. with like how they, they sort of structure their raps and stuff. Mm. I really like the sound of their music. Yeah. 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 And, um, in a, and in a weird way, I sort of like listening to rap where I can't understand the lyrics sometimes. Because I think it helps me as an artist because it makes me think of how if someone didn't understand English, would they still be able to enjoy my music? Mm. Right. So it makes me think more about like the flow and the chorus and just kind of 
you know, would they be able to vibe to it? Just like I can hear, a, I can hear like a German rapper and yeah. I might not know, you know, I can pick out the occasional word, but I won't generally know what they're saying, but I can still tell if they're dope. Yeah, you know? yeah, most I definitely. Can still, I can still definitely. Like, yeah, you can always tell. Sick. Yeah, yeah. When the flow sick. is sick, the flow is sick. I think flow has nothing necessarily to do with words, just to do with the structure, <laughs> the tone yeah. of someone's voice, and just how they sit on the beat. Yeah. yeah. So as an artist, I want people to be able to enjoy my music, whether or mm. not they can sort of. I mean, I'm a, I'm a lyrical artist. I want people to listen mm. to the words and understand those. But ultimately, I also I want my music to be able to be enjoyed on both of those levels, levels. just mm. like the sort of pure musical level. And then the lyrical level of like, oh, wow, like what he said there was quite profound. Or I like the yeah. way he put that together or did that punchline or mm. whatever it is. So, yeah, man, I, I listen to um, I, I am primarily a hip hop listener. Yeah, uh, probably 90 percent of what I listen to is hip hop. But mm. within the genre, I listen to all across Everything. the spectrum. Yeah. yeah. The, the reason why I asked about the music is that um, so there's, there's been a lot of um, debate or talk recently in regards to like UK drill and whether it's um, documentation or glorification of violence because there's been a lot of tracks that's been banned off of YouTube um, a lot of the artists have been getting arrested for for the content of their music and also some of their lifestyles haven't been haven't been the most um, pleasant at times so I just wanted to have your opinion on because I know you speak a lot about freedom of speech you recently had a speak um, a talk about it mm -hmm. as well so I wanted to have your opinion on um, so documentation and glorification when it comes to like hardcore gangster rap and drill music in particular. Well, I'll be honest. Like, I don't listen to a lot of drill specifically, yeah. uh, partially because of what you're saying. Mm. Um, so I don't know. But in terms of sort of, I guess, any form of what you could call gangster rap, mm. I think, man. So what's the question? How do you separate between documentation Yeah, how do you separate between documentation and glorification? Because it's very tricky mm. because music is an expression. People are talking about their lives. They're, e they're either exaggerating it or underplaying it, but they, they, they're describing something. Mm. I think the difference is, one, I think, is the, is the motive, mm. which maybe is hard to tell from a listener. Like Only the artist knows why they made a certain song or exactly what they wanted to get across for, with it. But um, I think with documentation... I think documentation is one. I think it's more detached. It's more like um, a bit more journalistic in a way. Like, okay, this is what's going on. This is what's happening on the streets. This is what I've been through. This is what I'm seeing here. And I think another part of it is how they make it sound. Right by listening to this is is this just making it sound like this is something cool and something someone should aspire to and should go out and do because it's a great thing, or is it more of either a neutral? way or is it more of a warning and is it talk is it talking about the potential consequences mm. okay so you could have a song which is um about street crime or which is about drug dealing but you could talk about the potential downfalls of it right you could talk about how you or someone else went to prison because they were living this lifestyle or how someone got shot because they were living this lifetime and say look these are the these are the potential consequences of it this yeah. is what's happening and these are the consequences or so to me, that would be more documentation. And then the glorification would be more like, yeah, this is cool, right? Anything that, make, that makes it sound like, you know, this is cool. Look at me, like, selling all these drugs or doing all these drugs or shooting all these people or whatever. And this is cool. This is what, you know, obviously they wouldn't put it in these words, but suggesting well, that this is Well, some of them do what, is so, drill music. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. It's the horrific part of it. Yeah, oh, they, okay, they okay. actually do. And okay. sometimes they even mention names of, of, of dead ones of their gang or, sure. or gang oppositions and stuff like that. So that's why it's been so heavily um, mentioned in the news as of late. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a sign of a much deeper societal issue, which mm. is, um, you know, the biggest issue facing Western society, in my personal opinion, is 
absence of fathers. Yeah. That is honestly, it's, it's, I think that's the elephant in the room. That's what the people want to talk about structural this and systemic this or whatever. But if someone is talking all this and they're not talking about the absence of fathers, especially in certain communities, then I struggle to take that person seriously. Yeah. Right. If someone wants to talk about the problems that, um, you know, say that uh, black people are facing in the UK or certainly in the USA and they don't want to, you know, and they want to talk about all these other things, but they don't want to mention family structure and values and fatherless homes and single motherhood and all these things, then that's not someone I can, I can take seriously because all of these things are a much bigger problem and a much more difficult problem, I believe, than anything else that, you know, may, may exist in terms of the structural issues that they're talking about, right? I'm not saying that none of those things exist whatsoever, especially given certain histories, but to say that that's the sort of fundamental problem with everything and totally ignore this gigantic elephant in the room um, is is an issue. And I think that the reason why this kind of music exists and is is popular and has an appeal, I think some of it is just base human psychology of being attracted to things that are taboo and having an attraction to violence and um sex and stuff like that but um in terms of the people who are sort of making and propagating it then you know a lot of it really does come down to to absent absent fathers or or terrible fathers i'd be interesting to know i'd be interested to know i said i don't really listen to this music it would be interesting to see and you know both in terms of the people who are primarily listening to it and primarily making it it would be interesting to see what those people's family situations look like. Because a large I, percentage will have absent fathers. And, yes. Um, what I tend to find is whenever I have this discussion about absent fathers, people think you're attacking single mothers. Yes. And that is not the case. No. Because um, if you look at all the statistics in terms of like males in prison, homelessness, um, and males committing crimes, it all tends to stem from having a broken home whereby there's no father, there's no pushback from another male figure. Mm. There's so many other statistics that you can go into in terms of children who are more likely to get sexually molested by relatives mm-hmm. because there's no physical presence of a man there. So yep. then the, the victim becomes more easily available to the prey because the person perpetuating the yeah. crime doesn't feel threatened by another figure who's potentially stronger and bigger than him. Mm-hmm. There's so many things. And I think that's what we need to push out of the way that it's not an attack on single mothers as such no it's just a case that there is structures in place when so there are like psychological mental structures that kind of naturally take place when Mm -hmm. you have a whole house when you have a household with a mother and a father there yeah and we and again we've known this forever yeah (laughs) this this is the thing this is why what you've just touched on this is why i actually oppose political correctness or what people call political correctness because and this whole taking offense to everything because it's again it's something that i believe is actually dangerous okay if we cannot talk about these issues openly and frankly because you're worried that someone is going to be offended or there's going to be someone who is a single mother or was raised by a single mother or whatever who you, who's going to take it personally and not want to talk this stops the issue from ever being addressed mm. right so if you have a genuine problem and you cannot speak on that problem for fear of what other people might think or how it may be misconstrued or whatever, then the problem can never be the problem can never be addressed, right? If someone has a gun if someone has a gunshot wound to the leg and you know, you're not allowed to use the word leg. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> right? 
<laughs> or you're, you're not allowed to talk about the fact that it's a it's, it was a gunshot, and mm. you have you're, you're instead you're talking about how uh, you know you're talking you want to you you can talk about the limp, but mm. you can't talk about the fact he's been shot in the leg. Then that's that's dangerous, right? That's that's a problem. So it's like yo. On a on a community level, in certain communities, you've got this you've got this big problem, right? There's like there's a massive gunshot to the collective leg, and people are here worrying about the wording that's being used to describe the thing, or they're or they're talking about a whole other issue. They're talking about the mosquito bite on the shoulder mm. when there's the when there's the bleeding leg. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, look, I'm not saying that there's no mosquito bite on the shoulder, but can we can we talk about this bleeding leg? Because this mm. is this is a real issue. It's killing right? this, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is a massive problem. Mm. I mean, you can you you already said you you can look at statistics, right? This is not anecdotal. I mean, we all have our an- anecdotes too, mm. but. On a statistic level, we can look at this like this is this is a, a problem here. What's what's going on, right? What are the how can we address this? What's going on in terms of people's values or culture or morality or whatever that is that's causing this cycle? Because if you genuinely, right, if someone genuinely cares and genuinely wants to help certain uh, individuals or certain communities or whatever, mm-hmm. then they need to be able to address these things and they need to be able to to talk about them. And we need to be able to have these discussions without worrying about potentially offending someone, right? And yeah, sure, we can word things in a way you can, you know, this this is a this is a big issue. I mean, you see the same thing when people are talking about situations like knife crime or gun crime or this or that, right? People are more worried about being politically correct, yeah, and they're worried about actually discussing the issue. And I think that that is dangerous, and I think that it is insidious, and it's why. I'm not a fan of these ridiculous levels of political correctness. I think when people think about being P- talk about being PC or polit- you know, oh, that's just being kind and respectful or whatever. And I'm like, look, that's that's like stage one political mm-hmm. correctness. That's okay. But we're now in like stage five. Okay, stage five is when you can't even speak the truth. Stage five is when people want to shout at you and call you names because you're you're actually talking about what what needs to be spoken about and. Again, I think to me that's just that's just virtue signaling, right? Yeah. If you someone wants to talk about all this, but they don't want to talk about that, then I'm like, look, man. I, I again, I I'm str- I struggle to take people like that seriously. I think they like to look good, but I don't believe they really want to do good. Yeah. And maybe this is just my own personality because I'm not someone who really I don't really care what people call me. Um, I'm someone who would rather tell the truth and say what I believe is actually going to help people. And have a small percentage of people dislike me because of it, mm-hmm. than to be the person who never says anything that even slightly rocks the boat. But because I'm so inoffensive, you know, those people don't come after me or don't call me names. Or I, I don't, I don't care. I've already been called everything. Yeah. So you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna get truth. You're gonna get real talk. And if I think that something is important, then we, we need to be able to just say 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 what it is you Most know definitely and some of the some of the selfish answers you tend to get back sometimes it's like oh but i was raised in a single parent household and i turned out fine but then it's like you're one out of ten what <laughs> what about the nine who didn't do you know what i mean what about the five who ended up in prison what about the two that got stabbed what about yeah. the others that are now um, hung up on on drugs and stuff like that mm. so if you look at it as extremity you realize that it is a selfish answer because as a whole the statistics prove that there's something that goes fundamentally wrong when mm. a household lacks a a, a a worthwhile father yes and, that's and, I, I, and, I, and i and i believe that the person who is even saying that knows it 
Right? I, I know I know tons of people who were were raised by a single parent. Of course, mm-hmm. I know I know I know a lot of people who most things right, mm. and none of them, if they are honest, if if you ask them honestly, and you're like, oh, w- would you have preferred it if your if your father was around? Do you think your life would have been a bit easier like then and now, assuming their father wasn't you know some horribly abusive, mm-hmm. violent person or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Assuming like there's no, I don't believe there's anybody in the world who was raised by a single mother or a single father who wouldn't have liked there also to be the other parent provided that they were a good parent. Right. Yeah. Even, even just, even there, there's a lot of dynamics at play here, but even just the fact that it's easier for two people <laughs> to work on something than, mm. than one, let alone raising a child. It's going to be easier for, if I have a child, right. And I'm raising a child by myself versus i have someone there to help me with it mm. and let alone the whole entire dynamic of, of course it's going to be yeah. easier even even the basic economics of it right you have two mm. incomes if, if both people are working you know you now have two incomes yeah. or even if one shared responsibility is, yeah, it makes more yeah, sense just, just shared responsibility it, it's just it's basic it's obvious like we, we we know this and people who are honest know this i mean tupac himself like remember there's a quote from tupac that's quite well known where he was talking about not having a father and he was okay. saying yeah i know if i had a father then um, actually, I would have probably turned out to be a lot more, you know, stable and less violent, and you know, not because I had to take on all this stuff so young, and I was angry at the world, and I was mad at my dad because he left, and all this. And that's a very, very common story. Mm. It's very common. It doesn't mean that everyone who isn't raised that way, um, you know, doesn't turn out well. Not, not in the slightest. That's not what you're saying. Just like, and this is a this is a thing a lot of people do where they think that. So for, say there, there's a, okay, let, let's take a different example and let, let's take something that, uh, so most violent criminals are men. Yeah. Okay. 90% of violent criminals are men. That does not mean that most men are violent criminals mm. and it would be stupid for someone to think that it does. Yeah. Right. This is a fact. Most violent crimes, most murders, rapes, uh, manslaughter theft burglary most of it is committed by males yeah two other men as well (laughs) yeah this does not mean most men commit commit crime Mm -hmm. and so it would be again you know using using the logic it would be like if someone said that and then i'm like oh well i'm a man and i don't commit crime it's Mm -hmm. like yeah what's your point right we we, we didn't say that you know this this is this we're just talking about as a general trend if you look across millions of people and you're looking at trends and patterns and statistics Mm. this is this is the case and then you can you can have that conversation um and you can talk about the reasons and you know maybe there's something can can be done about it maybe there isn't sometimes there's no some things are just natural patterns they're wired by biology and it's just that's just that's just how it is and you know, we can reduce the overall crime rate, but you're probably not going to change that percentage. Would, would you even want to? Do you want what, do do more women need to commit crime? <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. know, you know what I mean? It's like there's always you end gonna, up being a minute at the end of those knives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to talk about the gender crime gap. Um, you know, it's I don't know, man. Yeah, my, um, so because I, I, I had this debate with a friend, and they said, okay, so what would you what would you do to the we're talking about the black community and 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 the high crime rate amongst the um the young kids or amongst teenagers and he said how would you resolve it and and I, i've been dabbling with this idea i know jordan peterson has discussed it before about enforced monogamy mm-hmm. and i said if what, what if we practiced enforced monogamy for the first 18 years of um um 
a child's life. So if a man and a woman have sex, they need to pay the price of being forced to stick together in the same household, work and share their money and raise that child. And I said, if that was to happen, I reckon the crime rate will actually go down because one, you're going to have more fathers in the community, which then creates a natural pushback for those who are wanting to groom children. Because I, I, I grew up in a kind of like semi-estate um a lot of crime <laughs> there was a lot of stuff going on but um what i realized in the united states that those that had our fathers around it was extremely difficult for us to be groomed to be drug runners yep. extremely difficult because one i can't disappear for two weeks out in norwich to sell drugs when my dad's in the house that is not happening no, you not. see what i mean it's just really not happening because on sundays like we're going to church where are you i mean if he wakes up and i don't show up i think i ran away from home <laughs> once for like <laughs> I ran away home once because I came back from a party when I was really young. I think I was 14 and then I stayed out till like two o'clock in the morning. Oh and then my mom opened the flap and was like, go back to where you came from. And I, <laughs> I, went, and I, I had to walk about 40 minutes to my friend's house who lived like on the opposite side of East, on the other side of East London. And the next day, my dad was driving around the whole area looking for me and oh, he wow. found me and I was in the car. So I was like, how would someone be able to groom a child like me yeah you know what i mean it's near enough impossible because there's a male presence there and there's something mm -hmm. about having a masculine male presence in a household that protects you from the outside world yes it protects the it, it protects the bad influences well, so it's, it's, I, I dabbled with the idea yeah well it's because you don't look for it elsewhere mm. right you've already got the, ma the male role model you've already got the masculine energy and the person who you're looking up to who is of your your same gender who you're going to grow up to be a man mm. so you're, you know, it, it helps to have that. And if, if that's not there, it's natural for a for a, a young male, especially in their early teens, you know, especially in the teenage years, to, to seek that from somewhere. Yeah. You know, ideally, you get it from your father. But, but if, if their father's not there or your father's doing a terrible job, then people will seek that elsewhere. And people know that. All these, all these gangs know that. Right? Any, any intelligent gang leader knows who to target, right? You want to target the, the young males within, you know, maybe the ages of 12 and 18 who don't have a father figure and then they can come in and they can be the father figure and then the boy looks up to them and it's the exact same thing that um like actual uh like actual like racist groups and stuff do right mm -hmm. whether you're talking about like the kkk or these neo-nazi groups or what they do the exact same thing mm -hmm. right they find the young the, the young boys who don't have a strong father figure and they're a bit disillusioned and they're just vulnerable and then they say hey, you know come hang with us and a lot of times, you know, those boys might not agree with everything they're doing or everything they believe, but it's like, oh, you know what? But like, they look after me, they yeah. protect me, right? They protect me. They're there. And this is one of the biggest disservices that's been done by society and that's been done by some strands of feminism is this whole idea of thinking that men are, men are disposable or that men are some negative, generally, you know, like some negative influence on society and that oh, you know, boys don't, you know, children don't need fathers and it, the whole thing's just optional and this and that. And it's, I don't know, man, it's... um yeah and the, yeah. the whole idea that men are men are toxic and um i think that there's there's also an issue with the whole idea of aggression we tend to feel like aggression is 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 socialized when really and truly we're born aggressive we're yeah. socialized to to behave we're socialized yes. to be in line and that socialization usually comes from there being that level of masculine energy within mm -hmm. the household and and in, a, and in a healthy society you you hone you hone and channel masculine energy and masculine aggression into positive avenues. Yeah, because the same the same reason why ninety percent of violent criminals are male is the same reason that I don't know eighty or ninety percent of CEOs are male. It's the same energy.
yeah. the same as the same desire for competition, the same aggression, the same wanting to climb up the social ladder or the hierarchy or whatever. It's it's the same energy, just travel channeled in in different ways. And I'm not interested in just like I'm not interested in sort of this whole black versus white concept. I'm not interested in the man versus woman thing, right? Like society needs both, right? Mm. Children, children mm. need both. Marriages need both. Societies, yeah. communities, everything. We need men. We need women. Yeah. You know, everyone's an individual, but generally speaking, men and women have different strengths and weaknesses and we offer different, you know, uh, things and we balance each other out. And that's, that's the beauty of the world. It's not, it's not an accident that it takes a man and a woman to make a child, right? That's not, that's not by accident. That strongly suggests... It's not a social construct either, is it? No, it's not a social construct. That strongly would suggest that the, the child needs both, not only are both those parents needed to physically make the child, but they're also needed to raise the child and to be there for the child and to teach them what they need and to make sure that 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 person is balanced and well-rounded and and whatever and look not everything is always going to work out perfectly and you're always going to have situations where people do not reach certain ideals or reach certain standards but that doesn't mean that we should not have ideals and not have standards at all which is kind of the way that people seem to be going over the last couple decades they're just thinking you know what like it's all too hard like let's not let's not even have a standard Right. And it's like, no, you, you want to have a standard. If some people fall short, look, as a society, as a community, we we want to be charitable and we want to help people out and we want to be understanding and empathetic and understand that things aren't always going to work out perfectly, mm. but we shouldn't strive. The standard shouldn't be, the default shouldn't be, okay, things are not going to work out perfectly. So, so let's just, let's just not even do, th- let's not even try to do this right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I, th- I think it's the appreciation in each other's strengths and balancing each other's eyes. There's always that constant yin and yang. I think there's yin and yang in absolutely everything. There's always there's always balance. There's always order. There's always chaos, and it's finding that true balance. Um, what, what do you think currently within the social discourse and cultural um, um, discourse that's happening is? What do you think is the one topic that we're not covering enough at the moment, or that hasn't been dealt with rightfully in your eyes? Oh boy, how deep are we gonna go? <laughs> I mean, just that one. What's the, what do you think is that one that you definitely think society is failing at? That one discourse that we're we're supposed to be engaging with more, or we should be looking at from a different standpoint. Because I know you've got tons running through your head. <laughs> Boy, okay, I'm gonna go there, man. I think that um, I think the current state and the viewpoint that has been accepted on abortion is a freaking travesty. Mm. I think it's the I think it's the biggest. I think it's the biggest stain on modern society, and I think it's possible that in the future it'll be looked back on like we look at slavery. Sure. Right. The millions and millions and millions of unborn human beings, our own children, that are killed every single year, largely for convenience reasons. I think, and for people to just think that that's totally fine or even a good thing in some cases, I think that that is going to be looked back upon very, very, in a very, very bad way. And I know you're not even, you're not even meant to talk about it, right? It's a taboo, it's a ta- it's a taboo <laughs> I mean, subject. Saying you're pro-life is, a, is an issue right now. Cause, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah I, I think that's, um, and, and people are so, I mean, when I get in conversations about this, the, the, level, the level of ignorance that some people have about it is, is truly incredible. 
Um, but I think that that is something that society, I don't, th- I don't think we're done with that. To- I think people think we're, we're done with that topic and okay, we've, we found the right answer and this is it. But I think the, I think what people think is the right answer is very much the, it's very much the wrong answer. Yeah. Yeah. And, so and that, that's a heavy one. Um, it's a heavy one. I mean, that's, that's my honest real, thought. <laughs> that's my, it's my honest thought. It's yeah. my honest thought. You know, sometimes I don't, I don't like to think about it. I don't think anyone really likes to think about yeah. it because when you really think about it, it's very dark. Yeah, I'm 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 in a tricky situation in regards to that. I'm I'm pro-life myself. Mm. Um, I'm say say that with my chest. Um, but at the same time, I always feel a way when we talk about rape and abortion, mm-hmm. or when we talk about there being a medical issue that that which is mostly understandable by most people. If if, it, sure. if it's going to have an adverse effect on the woman, mm-hmm. then that's understandable. Mm. And then also, if the woman didn't ask to be pregnant, i.e. got forced to via rape, mm-hmm. then that's also another case. But most of the other reasons, I don't really think it's just a woman's rights issue and a woman's body issue. I think it's yeah. a global issue. It's something that it's, we should... It's, all, it's a human life issue. It's, it's a human life issue, most definitely. And it's a decision which I think it's only fair that men should have a say and men should be able to talk about it because we're involved of course and whether we like it or not when the child does come we're we're heavily involved and we're hook. heavily indebted to that child because mm-hmm. it's, it's a economic utility it's a delayed economic utility so we're gonna have to pay towards that child and it, i and still it, find it strange it's, it's a human being it's a human no, being it's not, it's not uh, just a human being it's your own offspring yeah <laughs> it's not it's not a random yeah man so that's um yeah i mean i don't, I don't want to we're not going to get get deep on that get now. Deep on that, yeah, but, but no. yeah, that that's one issue that I think that I feel like society sort of thinks like, okay, we're done with that one. You know, we we've worked that one out. But um, and and it and people are going to be forced to think about it because as technology advances, of course, the babies can be born earlier and earlier and earlier. I'm sure that within a couple decades, at the most, there's going to be some kind of artificial womb technology. Where perhaps you can, you know, bring a fetus out at just a couple of weeks and it can continue to grow and develop into a healthy baby. Um, I, I think it's going to need to be addressed head on. And I think that a time will come where, just like I think if our ancestors saw what's going on, they'd be mortified. Or if people from certain parts of the world look at what's going on, they'd be, they're mortified. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's very much the fact that it's sort of out of sight, out of mind and the general sort of consensus on it is there. Um, but um, yeah, it's, uh, I'll be honest, it's one of those things that bothers me every day. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. Know, knowing knowing it exists. Like, you know, it's it's behind closed doors, you know, you don't see it, it doesn't sort of directly. But the numbers are, the numbers are ridiculous. The, 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 the numbers are there. And, you know, with everything you said, I mean, you, 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 have, you brought up a couple of ex- 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 exceptions, right? Mm. But those exceptions make up less than 5% of cases. Yeah. Right. The other ninety-five percent. So it's it's like you know, say say if someone was against the the reason why, you know, when a lot of people use that argument to try to justify all of them, again, it's not an honest argument when people do this intellectually. Because, say for example, if someone was, if, if we 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 all agree that it's wrong to it's wrong to kill innocent, it's wrong to kill innocent people. Mm. Right. It's wrong to kill people. Right. We we generally agree it's wrong to kill people. Yeah. Okay. But if someone was like, oh, but what if someone was like. What if someone had a had a knife to your wife, or what if someone was about to? Um, what if someone was had a what if someone had a gun to you and you had a chance to get? Yeah, of course you'd kill him, right? Yeah, so preservation, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but that situation, so yes, there can be justifiable homicide, 
but that you wouldn't use that to justify murder in general. You see, what I mean? you wouldn't yeah. say, oh, you know what? There's this. There are these three percent of cases where it's totally, with you know, it's totally moral and ethical to to kill mm-hmm. to ki- take another person's life. So that means that all of the situations are fine, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, sure. I think people can. There's a there's a debate and there's a questions to ha- to be had around those exceptions that you mentioned, certainly. But what you find when you speak to people who are so-called pro-choice, for the most part, is if I say, okay, let's take those off the table. Let me say, I say, okay, those ones are, let's, let, let me, let, what if, if I give you that one, would you agree with me that these other 97% are wrong? And then they'll go, oh, no, no, no. Right? So it's like, so you're just using that 3%, not you, but those people are just using that 3% to try to justify everything. And it's like, yeah. okay, no, well, you're just using that as a red herring because you want to justify the whole thing. And you know it's it's a it's a big conversation. Um, yeah, and, I, and I can I I, un, I do understand both perspectives, um, but in terms of something that's sort of going on on a daily basis that people don't really want to you know some people won't talk about it, but people don't really want to talk about or address, and society doesn't want to sort of deal with. To me, that's um, yeah, that, uh, that's and, and also blocking men from being involved in the conversation as well is also a way of like avoiding discussing it because yeah, it's almost like it's a woman's issues, women's bodies, and no one else should be involved. Um, I I think there's going to reach a point where because the, the way technology is advancing, as you um, alluded to earlier on, there's going to reach a point where we will be able to figure out at what point if he is becomes conscious. I think we're conscious when we're the a point of um, um, yeah. conception, but I think as technology advances, we'll start figuring out that. The, all the stages that we've been ab- aborting children at, they were, they had a full conscience. They understood who they were. They were, they, they were formed. They were human beings. That's when it's really going to hit us about. What I, I, I don't even done. see. I don't even think that. And, and to the people who are pro-choice from the women's rights perspective, they don't care. It doesn't matter. That's not relevant to their mm-hmm. argument, right? And it's not relevant to my argument either, because you know the fact that someone is not conscious doesn't mean you can kill them, mm-hmm. right? If you fall into a coma, I'm like, can I stab him? No, of course you can't, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. It's like coma. You 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 can't kill them. Like, we we mm. fall semi unconscious every every day. It's called sleep. Mm. Okay, someone kills you in your sleep. It's murder. It's murder. So, as you know, the idea that, to me, it's like, look, so it's a, alive or alive or not, right? It's a, it's a human life. Like we know we know this, right? We know biology. We understand. Like, a new human life has been formed, and where what? No matter what point, what? No matter what stage you take a life, like that life is gone. Right. If you kill a baby, if someone commit, if someone kills a newborn baby, then that baby's life is gone. If someone kills them twelve weeks before they were born, they're gone. If they kill them twenty eight weeks before they're gone, right? That person is gone. Mm-hmm. That person, that unique individual, you know, scientifically with their own unique DNA, who's never going to be created ever again. That person yeah. is. That person is gone. Um, and uh, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, sometimes I wonder if we killed off the person who would have like sought cur- cured cancer or something who knows yeah who knows who knows well wow. <laughs> you know? that was a heavy one um, yeah. on a on a light on a what's the first thing you're looking to do after lockdown what, oh boy on? man i need to uh, travel yeah, yeah but travel. That, that's gonna be a while before we get to travel i think yeah, yeah. man i'm supposed to be go- i'm supposed to be going to la in two weeks oh nice but, uh, yeah, obviously that one's not going to happen because uh, I was supposed to, supposed to be going to the U.S. in June, July, and August. Um, oh, had trips planned, so everything's been postponed. But um, yeah, I think out a lot. First, well, first thing first, seeing my family, mm. seeing all my family, seeing my parents, my brothers, my sisters, nieces and nephews, seeing everybody, and then after that, yeah, getting getting out of here and going. We're all based. They're all far from Southampton. 
Um, we're spread out all over. So both of my brothers are in the UK. My parents are in the UK. Both of my sisters live abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I've got a big family. But yeah, man, I want to. I miss everybody. We have Zoom. Yeah. We have Zoom calls every every Sunday. So it's been nice to yeah. catch up with them. But, I've, been um, get, I've been getting the FaceTimes and um, speaking to African parents on FaceTime. They got half the camera like <laughs> they just filming the top part of the head. Like <laughs> I think my, my parents are pretty tech savvy, actually. Oh, that's days. good. Yeah, yeah, no, like it's it's a struggle on my end. It's like I can hear your voice and I can see part of your ear, and that's about it. <laughs> but it, it, it's it's fine though. Everyone's just kind of wait. I'm I'm looking forward to see my barber to be honest with you because oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm good, man. I I do mine myself. So you're you're good. You, you can do yours yourself. I'm I'm scared to mess up the line <laughs> and and the beard is growing out of control. So that's probably the first thing I'm gonna do. And then I'm also missing like hitting the gym and no, the gym. Oh, dude, like the gym is gonna so. get mashed up. Oh, definitely. I, I can't wait. I can't yes, wait. And there was a few holidays planned this year, which are all completely cancelled now. But <laughs> hopefully, hopefully next year. But um, w- one last question before I leave you to the rest yeah, of the days. Um, um, who, who do you want to be a role model to? Because at the end of the day, you might not probably set yourself out to be a role model or to be an example to others. But um, you're, you're in the public eye now and you're a voice. I mean, you, you've been a voice for me for the last year and a bit. Um, like, sure. I, I think I think, you're, you're, I think the way you put stuff makes it easy for laymen like me to understand certain political ideologies because um, you, you just have a knack of putting things out in the way with words. So now that you're in the, this sphere, let's put it such, you're, you're in the zone. What, what is your aim? My aim is to have a positive impact on over 10 million people um that's my goal it's been my goal for a while i just want to be a positive influence on the world and the individuals in it and that's what i strive for every day Mm -hmm. through my music through conversations like this through social media podcasts videos anything i create books i want to help people make their lives for the better um mentally physically spiritually whatever whatever way i can do it even if it's just helping you know to shed light on certain things or to give them some encouragement or you know help them out directly with things like you know their fitness and health and stuff like that or just give them some some dope music to listen to and content to enjoy that's really my goal i want to inspire people and i really want to inspire i mean really really everyone i I love the fact my my fan base goes across the board it hits so many different demographics and countries um and yeah i just think people need that you know the world is um the world is beautiful. Life is beautiful, but life is also hard. It's also a struggle. It's also difficult, yeah. and people need people need encouragement because there are a lot of people out there who aren't getting a lot of it, and we're constantly being fed negativity, and there's just a lot of negative stuff and divisive. We we've been talking about it on the podcast. Mm. There's a lot of negativity and division and hostility and all that, and so I do my best. Like I'm not I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect, but I do my best to at least be a be a positive force. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that, Zubi. I mean, um, I, I just love your positivity. I love, I love the angle that you come from. I love the unapologetic self and just being a strong individual, strong man. Yeah, I can, I can boldly say that without you blocking me. <laughs> <laughs> being a, be, just being the individual you are, and it's, it's kind of inspirational to myself because I'm, I'm new to this. I'm, I'm someone who's going on a journey. So this podcast is my own sort of like university. I'm learning while sharing what I'm learning with others, without being afraid to say that I'm learning. 
that mm. that was my thing initially i was scared to come out there because i thought you have to have all the knowledge in order to speak to people but in in doing this i realized that people are always willing to share i'm speaking yeah. to professors i'm speaking to doctors biologists and they're willing to share and mm. they, they people are always happy to share as long as you're honest about where you're coming from and why you want to listen to them and you're just not coming from a different angle or whatever so um, i really appreciate you i really appreciate you taking your time to come on the podcast i know i'm not the biggest platform that you've been on you've been on joe rogan i mean that's like the pinnacle of podcasting right there so <laughs> it's only down from there on until there's the humans but i really appreciate your time i really appreciate you sharing your knowledge and we'll definitely keep in touch and i'm going to be harassing you now with um loads of questions and i'm going to continuously retweet <laughs> you and every time i get in trouble i'm just going to reference you that's all good, man. <laughs> until i get brave enough to step out there or until i become completely self-sufficient <laughs> and i can step out there by being sacked <laughs> That's all good, man. But I yeah, appreciate you. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully you enjoy the rest of your day. And thank you for coming on Let's Do Humans podcast, UV. Most welcome, man. Take oh, care. Thank you very much. Stay blessed. Chase, I'm chase, I'm chase, I'm chase.